0: Thanks for joining us on the bridge today. We hope today's sermon will create a connection between you and your creator. Now God, he's always trying to bridge the gap between heaven and earth, which means that he's, he's constantly reaching out for you. And maybe this podcast can provide a bridge for that connection to take place. So, my friend, what is God saying to you Today? Okay, y'all ready? Uh Uh-huh. All right. We're about to put it in gear this morning. Today we're going to take a break from the practices that we've been talking about uh, for a while. And even though we've been talking about it for the first uh, quarter, we've only talked about two practices. There's a lot more to go. We'll take a break from it today. We're going to stop talking today about the what and kind of start talking about the why a little more. Uh, you, we've gone over two practices, just slowing and fasting. And uh, hopefully you're trying to work them into your rule of life that I gave you earlier. And uh, if you don't have one, I've got like a grand total of two up here. So if there's two people, it, you can have another one of these rule of life charts. I'll have them pre- uh, some more printed back up. But today we're gonna go a little deeper into the fruits of the spirit. I'm going to go a little deeper there because this is all tied up in this idea of spiritual practices. In fact, the reason why we're even looking at these spiritual practices is to help us to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That's what we want. We want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our lives. However, today, what I'm going to do is to zoom in on the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. What is the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit? Works of the flesh. That's exactly what it says in, in Galatians, which is where we're going to go, which is where we've been for a while. I'm going to start at Galatians 5.16. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify. Can somebody say this? The desires of the flesh. Paul calls uh, calls it the desires of the flesh. And in other other translations, he uses the works of the flesh. By the way, if you'd like to follow along, we are in the Bible app today. Now, the Greek word for this that I have underlined, desires of the flesh, the Greek word for that is sarks. Can y'all say that? Sarks. Yeah, sarks. We all have a sarks everybody in here has one okay we will continue to have a sarks until the return of Jesus or we die and go to be with the Lord Mark no longer has a sarks he has no longer has to wrestle with his flesh he is in a glorified body and I'm jealous I'm jealous so what does the bible have to say about our sarks says this in Galatians 5 and 17. For the desires of the flesh, there's that again, Sarks, are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. In other words, there is a war going on inside of you. And I just said that. Some of you are like, oh yeah, that's that's, that's true. You ever felt, raise your hand if you felt like that you have a war going on inside of you. Okay, most everybody has about that. You and I this morning, our sarks is at war with our spirit. Our flesh is at war with our spirit. To put another way, our strongest desires are at war with our deepest desires. I mentioned this before. Paul talks about this war in Romans, Romans 7 and 14 through 15. He says this, for we know that the law is spiritual, But I am of the flesh, there's a word again, sarks, sold under sin. For I do not understand, I do not understand my own actions. And Paul is describing his struggles when he talks about this. Then he goes on to say, for I I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. What is the name of our sermon series that we're in? What's it called? Do what matters. He says, I do not do what I want. Paul's saying, I don't do what matters. He's struggling with this. He says, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Raise your hand if you have ever felt this way. Oh my Lord, yes. What is that thing that draws us into the activities or people that we will regret later on? It's our strongest desire. It's our socks The strongest desire. It is your socks When Paul says, I do not do what I want, he's referring to his deepest desire. Okay? Mm-hmm. Strongest desire, deepest desire. Flesh, spirit. Okay? He doesn't go into details, so we really don't know what Paul's deepest desire is. He's just explaining it to us. But let's just say this. Let's say that your deepest desire is to pay off debt. All right? Just use that for an example. Your deepest desire is to pay off debt. Your strongest desire is the opposite of your deepest desire. Your strongest desire will want we'll to go on a shopping spree. Your strongest desire will want to eat out every single meal. Your strongest desire will want to go on extravagant vacations. <laughs> but your deepest desire wants to pay off debt. Do you see the conflict going on there between our strongest desire and our deepest desire? Paul goes on and he says, For I delight in the law of God. In what? My inner being. Thank you. But I see in my members another law waging war. He says, I delight in the law of God and my inner being. When Paul is talking about his inner being, he's talking about the deepest desire, okay, of the the spirit. He's talking about the deepest desire. This is the work of the spirit in Paul's life and in our life. The deepest desire. Then he goes on to say. But I see my members. I see in my members. Another law waging war. Another law waging war. The law waging war in his members. Is the flesh. The strongest desire. It is his strongest desire. Usually these desires. Are shallow. And selfish. That's why they're called flesh. They're on the surface. Then the deepest desires are inside of you, the spirit. Follow me this morning, and we're kind of making some sense to you. On the surface, these these shallow, this flesh is sarks. So again, you have the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. There it is, one more time. Our strongest desires are at war with our deepest desires. Our flesh is at war with our spirit. Here's a good example of somebody who struggles with controlling their tongue. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's somebody who struggles with that. Have you ever said something that you wish you never said? Yeah, Yeah, thanks for that. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. (laughs) I've heard some people say that in the moment, in all of your emotions, that you are actually being radically truthful in that moment. I don't doubt that because you, you just explode and you just let things out. And I, but I don't entirely agree with that. They say that you, that is really and truly how you feel when you just explode and it comes out. Now, for some people, that's probably true. Because they don't really have a spirit, the Holy Spirit working in them, right? They're not saved, they don't, they don't care anything about God. And they have only the flesh working in their body. And so they really don't care if they hurt people's feelings or not. They're just going to say what they want to say. It's going to come out and they're just going to do right? Mm-hmm. And for some people that might be true. But then why then do we often feel regret after exploding and hurting somebody's feelings? And just saying everything that bleh we just want to say, right? Have you ever ever just, again, said something you wish you hadn't have said, and then the regret comes in afterwards? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's because your strongest desire, a fit of rage, which is a biblical work of flesh that we're going to look at today, your strongest desire, a fit of rage, has overpowered your deepest desire. Your flesh has overpowered the work of the Spirit. Your flesh overcame the Spirit. Your deepest desire may have been to really reconcile the relationship, but something happened and you lost control and you said something that you wish you wouldn't have said. Your strongest desire was to lash out in anger and you ended up damaging the relationship instead of healing it. Are you following me today? Now, I hope I'm not the only one today that's ever lost his temper and said something that they that have, regretted. I have. Plenty of times, okay? But this passage in Galatians 5 and 16 through 25 is all about this war between the flesh and the Spirit. That's what it's all about. Now, I have, I've had a tendency to just to focus on the fruit because that's good stuff, ain't it? That list of fruit, you're like, that's what I want for my life. Those are the good things. And that's what I want, and that's what I need for my life. But there is, there is a pretty in-depth list of the works of the flesh, and I don't think that that list is there for us to ignore. We won't skip over that. Let's not look at that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think it's there to teach us something. And so we're going to look at it today. If nothing else, it can help us identify the things in our own life. It can help us to identify the works of the flesh that is in us. Now we're going to take a closer look at the works of the sarks this morning and see how this might possibly be helpful for us. Now chances are, listen, Mm -hmm. chances are you're going to see your sin on this list somewhere. Okay? Yeah. (laughs) I found my sin in several places. So don't get offended. I'm not picking on you, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, tell him, say, he's not picking on you. I'm just reading the Bible, okay? (laughs) I'm not picking on you, okay? So are you ready? Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Let's go. Galatians 5 and 19 says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. So here we go. Right off the bat, Paul jumps in with both feet. Thank you, Paul, for that. Our first verse reveals works of the flesh that are sexual in nature. Let's look at each one. Sexual immorality is actually a blanket term that is used to talk about all sexual sin. The Greek word here is porneia, and when it is used alone, it talks about everything. It's talking about everything from rape to just lust. It all falls under that umbrella, okay? But since it is listed with other other sins here, it is specific, and it just talks about uh, having referring to sex between two unmarried people, okay? Pornei—that's what it's talking about here. The second word is impurity. It's the Greek word akatharsia, which means unnatural sexual practices and relationships. So examples. Going to get creepy. going to get creepy for a moment, so if you don't want to hear it, plug your ears. <laughs> Moms and sons, okay, this is incest, that's, that's um, humans and animals or same-sex relationships. This all falls under the word akadoshia, okay? That's the word that's up there that says impurity. Now, the third word, sensuality or debauchery. The Greek word is aselgia, which refers to uncontrolled sexuality, unbridled sexuality. Now, I'm not going to go into specific examples because I don't need to. I don't need to. We live in a, in a, in a world that is oversexualized in every single way, guys. It's extremely over-sexualized. People struggle with these types of works of the flesh all the time. Chances are there's somebody in here who struggles with them secretly and nobody knows about it. But one thing I want you to notice just in this one category is that everybody has a different sarx. Everybody has a different work of the flesh that they struggle with. We're not all the same, are we? Our strengths are different and our struggles are different. We have different strengths and struggles. Look at your neighbor and tell them say you have a different struggle than I do. That's true. Now, these works of the flesh, they're broken down into four categories. All right. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at those categories. In this verse, we find the first category of sexual sins. The works of the flesh, the very first category is sexual sins. Now, if you found yourself on that list, I have good news for you, okay? If there is four categories of these works of the flesh, then there are how many fruits of the Spirit? Do y'all know? Anybody's math radar going off right now? In other words, there's at least two fruits of the Spirit that will counter each work of the flesh. Two fruits of the Spirit for each category of the works of the flesh. Now, I want you to know I've done some pretty hefty reading on this. So I'm not pulling this out of thin air. This ain't Jeremy just making stuff up. I've done quite a bit of reading on this. Much of what I'm about to show you came from two biblical scholars, Tim Keller and Colin Attridge, in their books on the fruit of the Spirit. So what is the antidote for sexual sin? It's the fruit of self control and goodness or integrity. Now, two fruit to overcome the flesh. What's the score? Somebody tell me. Fruit two, flesh one. We're doing good, ain't we? Yeah. Two to one. I like those odds. It reminds me when I think about um so when I, when I read the scripture where it talks about a third of the angels. Went with Satan. You're like, oh, God, of that's a lot of angels. Heaven lost a lot that day. What was it? Many think. But I think the other way. You do math, okay? One third, that means there are two thirds. There's tw- for every single demon, there's two angels. Have you thought about that? Yeah. And on top of that, they got God on their side. We have God on our side. So the enemy is outnumbered. Say it with me. The enemy, the enemy. is outnumbered. We have numbers on our side, plus we have God on our side. So, two to one, same way with fruit and flesh. Now, think about this. To overcome sexual sin in your life, you need self-control and integrity. Do you agree with that? Yeah? You need to be able to say no to and to have the courage to just do the right thing. Now, I'm not going to go into detail today on the fruit of the Spirit. We're probably going to do some of that next week. But I realize that this is not a detailed plan to overcome sexual sin in your life. I get that. I know. You're just like, okay, self-control and goodness. Thanks, Pastor. I'm good now. I know. I know. That's That's not all. That's not going to help you a whole lot. What it does is it gives you a general diagnosis of what you need to overcome your flesh in this area. Now, what you have to do if you want to actually get a little deeper in this is what we've kind of already done a little bit of. You have to break it down even further and ask what spiritual discipline will help me cultivate self-control and integrity in my life? Take it a step further. And then you might come up with a concrete plan of how to do war on your flesh. Mm-hmm. You following me today? I know I'm getting a little nerdy. Is that all right? Yeah. I'm a nerd. <laughs> now, we have talked so far about two practices. One of them is fasting and the other one is slowing. Now, At the very beginning, we talked about fasting and what... What spirit of the fruit of the spirit is fasting connected to? Can somebody tell me? Self-control. Self-control. It's up there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, we haven't covered integrity yet, but we will. We don't exactly know, right at this moment, the practice that will help us cultivate integrity in our life. We will. That's coming, okay? However, self-control. Fasting. Now, I know... I've talked a lot about fasting, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore. But think about it. You're telling your flesh no when you fast. You're being practice and telling your appetite no. And what is sexual sins are driven by lust, which is our sexual appetite. Do you see how that it can actually help? There are other spiritual practices that can help you in this area, but this is one of them. All right. All right. Let's keep going. Galatians 5 and 20 says idolatry and sorcery. They're right up there together. Uh, These are works of the flesh. And I'm only doing these two because these two, uh, he goes on to name more in verse 20. And if you'll notice, I have two underlined. It's because these two create their own category of sarks. These two have to do with religion. The first one, idolatry, is the Greek word. Ooh, I'm going to try to say this, okay? E, uh, mm. Okay, give me, give me a second. Idolatria. E, e Idolatria. E Idolatria. E it's not like I'm speaking it in tongues, don't Idolatria. E That's the Greek word for idolatry. And this literally means worshiping another deity. That's what this word means. In Paul's day, there were many liturgy gods to choose from. And it was normal. Actually, Christianity was not the normal thing back then. And we don't, today, uh, as Christians, raise your hand if that's you, you follow that? Yeah. As Christians, we don't have a religious buffet. All right? It's not like we go to, to Grecian and pick out which God we want to worship. Not like that today. Uh, not for us as Christians. We serve one God. What's his name? Yahweh. Yahweh. And he has another New Testament name. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Right, Jesus. We serve Jesus this is who we serve. Yahweh as well. Same, same God. The second word, and so, and so we, uh, that's what that's about. The second word, sorcery, is also translated as witchcraft or divination. Now, the Greek word here is pharmakeia. And you may, you may be thinking that this is not relevant for today because I'm not a witch. But you would be so wrong. Um, There are very prominent religions that are on the rise today that are trying to convince you that you are God and that you can be God. And uh, This may sound strange to you, but it's becoming more and more common, especially in the younger generation. Mm -hmm. Um, I've I've spoken to you at times about the New Age religion. Oprah Winfrey, she's just pushing this and pushing this. Um, Witchcraft. If you get on TikTok, you can go to a section called Witch Witchtop. And they will tell you everything about the witchcraft, and uh, and 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 even yoga is considered white white witchcraft. See how all this stuff just kind of slips in under the radar. And uh, chances are, we have at some point engaged in um, what the Bible in pharmakia, what the Bible refers to as pharmakia. You get on uh, if you ever got on the uh, looked at your horoscope in the newspaper. That's that's what it is. Yes, ma'am. It's. so that's kind of what all of this is referred to. So it is not just back in the day, it's here today as well. It's actually been a battle that's been going on for a very long time between many gods and just one God. And I could go into more of that, but I'm, I'm not going to do that today, all right? Um, but... There are many religions who want to convince you that either you are God or you can be God. And how attractive is that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I get to make my own decisions. I get to become my own God. That's very attractive. But it's the very same thing that Adam and Eve fell for in the Garden of Eden. That's the very same thing. The Sark's category for this is idolatry, all right? Remember, we have two fruits for every category of the flesh, and here they are. You have idolatry on your flesh, and then for the fruit, you have joy and faithfulness. Now, how in the world does this relate to idolatry? The fruit of joy and faithfulness are the cure for idolatry in our lives. Faithfully committing ourselves to Jesus Christ and letting the joy of the Lord fill our souls. Now, why would we ever want to try anybody else If Jesus fills us with joy. It's like, why in the world would I ever cheat on Angela if our relationship is one of joy? If I'm completely, you know, satisfied with our relationship, why would I ever want to go looking anywhere else? It's the same way with God. If you have the joy of the Lord as your strength, you're not going to want to go looking for anything else. Now, if you're experiencing joy, then you are at the very least content, right? Yeah. At the very most joyful. And if you're joyful and content in your relationship with God, you're not going to look anywhere else. And then there's faithfulness. So say for some reason you are going through a season where you are not experiencing a ton of joy in your relationship and your walk with God. Have been there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is where faithfulness comes in. Faithfulness is trust in God. You trust that God has the best for you. Romans 8, 28. He works all things for the good of those who love Him. That is, that is trust and faith in God. It's so much more than that. It is at least trust that God has your good in His mind. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Do you see how joy and faithfulness can help us to stop chasing after other gods. Now, some of you think, I have no problem with that. But let me tell you what else can become your God. Your career, mm. your husband, your wife, your children, mm-hmm. your fancy new car, your shoes collection, your dresses, your fancy pants. <laughs> Anything can become your God. And if you're rooted in joy and faithfulness, you won't be chasing after fancy pants anymore. Yeah. Let's go back to verse 20. So, idolatry and sorcery, we've already talked about those. Now here are more. enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. We talked about that one a little bit. Rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. Now there's actually eight in this category, so we're missing one. Let's go to 21. And you can see at the top up there where envy is underlined. That completes this category. So let's put them all together in 20 and 21 you have enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. That's this category of flesh right here. Now I could go into detail about each one of these, but for time's sake, I'm not going to do that because that's eight of those bad boys, okay? Now here's what you need to know about all of these in this category. They destroy relationships. They destroy relationships. And since it seems that the majority of the works of the flesh are in this category, it it also has three fruit to counteract it instead of two. There's three. Of the two authors that I read, one of them said that that, uh, these were about strife and the other one said that they were about relationships. So I'm just going to put that together and mash it up and say it's relational strife. This category is relational strife. And here are the fruits of the Spirit that can help to cure this work of the flesh in your life. Love, patience, and kindness. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yes, I do. Very plain, isn't it? I don't really think I need to say any more about that. Anytime a follower of Jesus is dealing with other people, they need to be exhibiting these fruits, don't they? Mm-hmm. Love, patience, and kindness. Now, I would even say go so far as to say that you were talking about dealing with other people, I think when you're dealing with yourself. You should exhibit these as well. We can be hard on ourselves. We cannot love ourselves. We cannot be patient with ourselves. We cannot be kind to ourselves. Amen. 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 We can do the same thing to other people as well. Let's finish up. Galatians five twenty one. So our last two here: drunkenness and orgies. Okay. These two words are tied together. This is our last category. You have to understand that the culture that Paul lived in was way worse than the culture that we live in now today. And I know that's hard to believe, but it was. These people would have literally have orgies out in public, at meals, and most of the time it was accompanied with getting drunk. Now, I know that's hard to hear, but let's get over it and keep going. So... There was a guy in in one of the churches that my dad pastored, and I just started being a youth pastor. And I wanted, we started getting things in the fellowship hall for kids to play with. I wanted to get a pool table. Not really because I wanted to play pool. I wanted to play this game called horse. Right? Still, either either way, pool, that was, was fun. Now, I got turned down on that. And I couldn't figure out why. But my dad started telling me why. We had Deacon in that church that he, he came out of a rough lifestyle. He came out of going to the bars every night and getting drunk and, and you know, getting with other women. And as he was doing all this, he played pool. Mm-hmm. So he connected all that together. He's like, we ain't going to have a pool table over there for fellowship hall. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he connected all this together. Now to me, I can play pool and, you know, it think, I don't think a thing about it. But back then, these two were connected. It's just what they did back then. What happens was they got drunk to escape reality, and then they engaged in a pleasure addiction activity. And so we do this today as well. We just don't do that. We get high. We get drunk to numb and escape reality. Or we feed an addiction our flesh can destroy our lives with addictions. Do you agree with that? Yes. Addictions ranging anywhere from, here's a list for you, drugs, sex, porn, food, yeah. alcohol, video <laughs> games, and television. I can keep going. Mm-hmm. See how they're all thrown in there together, though? Amen. I think you get the picture. So our last category for the flesh is Excess. It's excess. And here are the fruits that we can use to cure excess in our lives. You have excess on one side and peace and humility on the other. And I know, what? What? Especially when you think about humility. How can humility help me with excess? Let me explain. As we will see later, sometimes we mistake humility for something else entirely. One of the scriptures that that marks humility for me is when Jesus said to turn the other cheek. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree that that is the ultimate mark of humility? Somebody slaps you in the face and then you turn around and walk away? Would you not agree? Mm -hmm. That to me is the ultimate act of humility. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. Imagine if you're Jesus and you have all these angels and you could snap your fingers and take anybody out that you want to. He said he could do so. I'm going to tell you something. There are moments when I have encountered this and I, and, I, and, I, and I was victorious and there were moments when I was not victorious. Okay, I have had, I have had times, and my sister can testify to a time when a bully would come at you and you know with every fiber in your being that you... Could handle them, if you know what I mean. Not scared at all. In fact, everything in you wants to just power up, swell up, bow up, and show who's the man or who's the woman. Right? You ever experienced that? Okay. You're not scared. As a matter of fact, you're getting angry. You're like a volcano and getting ready to explode. And then in that moment, you turn to walk away. Now, from the outside in, everybody might see that as fear or weakness, don't they? Or from the inside out, that is immense strength and self-control. Do you agree with that? So that's what humility is to me, is immense inner strength and self-control because if Jesus is our ultimate example of humility. Think about His humility that He put out there. He could, at the snap of His finger, take out anybody He wanted to, but instead, He was crucified, beaten, and tortured. He literally turned His other cheek. It is not an easy thing to do. So, imagine that. You know... The inner strength that it takes, we don't have that in society today. We don't see it, and we certainly don't have it in politics. Amen. These folks, they just say what comes to their mind, and they tweet what they want to tweet, or whatever. And it's like, I miss the days when we had presidents who could just not say nothing, and just do what's right. I miss it. Humility is a silent, solid strength. That's what humility is. It actually takes immense self-control to be humble. Do you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Now when you put the peace of God on top of that humility, you can overcome any addiction that you face. Peace is trusting God and being satisfied right where you are. Now... You don't want, really, or need anything else but peace and humility and, of course, God in all of that, working all of that, bringing it to the surface. Now, that is our last category and I just want to show you. In case that's jumbled up in your head, maybe this can help. You. I took the liberty of using my excellent handwriting drawing all this out for you. if you'd like you can maybe take a picture of that or whatever um, before you leave but there you have it there you have it works of the flesh sexual sins idolatry relational strife excess they all fall under those categories and they are all the works of the flesh they find their defeat in the fruit of the spirit amen Mm -hmm. they are all defeated by Sexual sin, self-control, goodness, integrity. Idolatry is defeated by joy and faithfulness. Relational strife is defeated by love, patience, and kindness, and in excess is defeated by peace and humility. Again, there's a battle going on inside of you. You agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now at the end of verse 21, Paul issues a warning. And I want to go there before we before we end. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, Paul issues a warning and he says this, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now this sounds like a hellfire brimstone message that I'm preaching today, but don't, don't tune me out just yet. This entire section of Scripture uses the language that is of a battle going on inside of you. We know this. We talked about this. Some of you, you might read this last line and you think, I'm dead. I am so dead because, I mean, you know, I, I find myself in that list and I struggle with my flesh and it sounds like I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That's not what Paul is saying, okay? That's not what he's saying. And you think... That because you, there's somebody you see here, you, you recognize your sarks in there, that you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is not talking to people who struggle here. Raise your hand if you struggle. This, and this is a good thing. It's a good thing if you struggle. Because if you're struggling, it means you're fighting. Amen. Mm-hmm. And this is a war and a battle that we're talking about. We're talking about a fight. We're talking about a struggle. And Paul is ta- not talking to people who are struggling. He's not talking to people who are fighting. He's not talking to people who are battling. He's talking to people who have just given up. You see, when you're fighting your flesh, someday you'll win and some days you lose. That's just how it is. And here, Paul is talking to people who are not even trying. In fact, who he's talking to is the people who are pursuing the works of the flesh consistently every day without restraint at all and without remorse. That is who he's talking. He's not talking to people who are trying their best to overcome their addiction. Who's trying to overcome their anger. Who's trying to overcome the sexual struggles that they have. Who's trying just to be a better man or a better woman. He's not talking to them. He's talking to the people who have just said, I give up, I quit, I can't do it. I'm just going to be as bad as I can be. So take heart if you saw yourself anywhere on the naughty list. I saw myself there too. Another way to break this list down, and this is pretty cool, is into categories, is to notice that some of the sins in the the list of the works of the flesh, some of them are characteristics of religious people. Selfishness, envy, jealousy, factions. That's usually something that happens in the church, ain't it? While others are more characteristics of non-religious people. Immorality, drunkenness. But God takes and he puts them all in the same pot. Doesn't he he doesn't separate them. I'm the one who separated them so you can see what they look like. He throws them all in the same list. Religious and non-religious sin. If you see that church folks, sometimes they have a tendency to make other people's sarks worse than their own, don't we? Well, at least I'm not out there selling drugs or doing this or doing that. But you did just judge somebody, didn't you? (laughs) It's self-righteousness. And who did Jesus pummel the most in his time here on earth? it wasn't the addicted person was it it was the self righteous person god doesn't make that distinction when he's talking about the works of the flesh he kind of throws us all in there together we are much better at noticing the works of somebody else's sinful nature than we are at battling our own maybe what we should do is take that energy of fruit inspection for other people and started f- inspecting our own fruit. Amen. Amen. So ask the Holy Spirit, and that's what I want you to do this week. All right, we talked about the negative, not so good part this week. Next week we're going to talk about the better part the fruit. Yay! We like fruit. Fruit tastes good. But this week, don't ignore this. I I was praying. I'm like, God, these folks ain't going to come back after this. But I got to obey them. I got to listen to them. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you may fall in this list of works of the flesh. Okay? Now, you need to keep in mind, when Paul is writing these letters, he's writing them to churches, ain't he? That letter was to church folks. If you can identify, so the good thing is, I don't want you to sit there and think, I'm a horrible person, God will not forgive me for my my bad deeds and all that. Don't, don't, go there, okay? The good news is that if you can identify these things that maybe you struggle with, then you will at least know the fruit of the Spirit that can help you win the battle. If you can identify where you are over here, then you can identify where you need to be over here. Are you following me today? Yeah. So this week, you can go back through those scriptures. It's Galatians uh, 5, and I think it's 16 through 21. I think that's it. You can identify those, read through those verses, even do some tr- uh, cross translations, see what each one of those words mean, and see how they actually, you know, go along with maybe what you struggle with. Then, okay, I know I need more love, patience, and kindness in my life. I know so one with, thing I can do to help me with my patience is what? Smiling. Slowing. There you go. The practice of slowing. That's one thing we can do. We're going to learn more things. But um, do not let this discourage you. Let this be a direction for which you can head towards. It's like a compass. You're setting your head. You're setting your sails. And you're moving in that direction. Okay, church? Yeah. Y'all awesome with that? Yeah. And 45, time for me to up. I love you guys. Love Let's pray. Father, as we come to you at this time, Lord, we lean into you, and invite you, Lord, into our lives for the rest of the week. Ask you, Lord, to go with us. Help us, Father, discern where we need to, the areas we need to work on in our lives. Help us to discern the sins, Father, that we struggle with. And help us to learn, Father, what what fruit of the Spirit that we need so that we can from from there discover what we need to do. But not only that, the main thing that it says in Galatians 5 is that we walk in the Spirit. That's how we do it, Father. And help us through all of this to walk with you to grab your hand, to stay close to you, and to let you lead us as we go through this week, Father. That's the goal, is to let the Spirit do its work, the Holy Spirit do its work in us, Father. Whatever that may be, we love you and we thank you. Lead us this week in Jesus' name. Everybody repeat after me. Lead me, lead me. this week, Lord.